everyone. Welcome to Koke, a podcast for all generations. Koke means to be open. It means openly. And here at Koke, we encourage you to listen Koke, speak Koke, and think Koke, as Harpo likes to say. <laughs> think. I'm Simran. It's Harpo. And Nimrit. And today we're going to talk about women in social spaces. So the way that I wanted to start this episode was to ask the question about what spaces do we occupy and how do we navigate and exist in these spaces as women. For me, when I think about this question, I tend to relate it a lot to the roles that I have um, as an employee. I exist in the space of the professional world and in my office. I exist as a daughter in my house, also as a sister and as a granddaughter. Um, And just like as a human, when you're outside and you're walking around and you're doing things. Um, How about you guys? What are the spaces that you can think of? So I think it's very similar for me inside offices when I'm working. I exist as a leader in in a course or as a coach. Um, A lot of my time is spent working from home, so I exist in my home office. And then in my home, just as as a person who lives here, I think the other way I'd see this is when I'm outside, uh, spaces such as restaurants or cafes or if I'm going out at night. Mm -hmm. And for me, how do I navigate or exist in them is different. If it's nighttime, I tend to watch out a lot more for what's going on around me. Yeah. If it's daytime, I just don't even think about the fact that I'm a woman. So when I think about the spaces that I occupy, I'm actually different than what you both said. I think about location and not necessarily my role. So I think about how I occupy classrooms, how I occupy um, the streets, and how I occupy public transportation, and how mm-hmm. my body like navigates and maneuvers through the public realm and like the yeah. world. Um, I mean, I also think about how I occupy space in, like, my apartment, in this building that I'm living in. Um, And I think about particularly, like, how I occupy public spaces because I feel like that's where I feel the most unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a lot more cognizant of how I occupy those spaces. I mean, in terms of how I navigate and exist in these spaces as a woman, honestly, I think I navigate and exist in these spaces very driven by, like, fear Mm-hmm. Um, and anxiety like I um, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm occupying these spaces and there's certain rules and like certain things that come with occupying those spaces yeah safety is always like a thing that you think about and me too and mm-hmm. that goes for even like everyday things not just like if you're going somewhere new like I when I I walk to work some days and some days I drive but when I'm walking I have a particular route that I take, but I'm even if it's even that it's though it's my neighborhood and I live like really close to my office, I and I know the street, I know where to go, I know that I can cross on this side or this side if I see somebody that is a little sketchy or I feel a little bit afraid about something. Like I know all those like shortcuts in my head already and mm-hmm. I go into the day or yeah. I open the door and go outside not knowing exactly which route I'm going to take, but mostly thinking about all the different shortcuts that and the possibilities that I have to get from A to B. And right. That's really I like interesting. What, I like what you're saying because it's reminding me about something that, like, 
I did on Instagram. I, I started like a, a poll or kind of like a Q&A on my Instagram last month of I wanted to hear to different people talk about um, how they how they approach their safety. What are some things that they think about when they leave their house? Mm-hmm. And overwhelmingly, women responded with a lot of things that they do, uh, just like very mundane things that they do every mm-hmm. single day to ensure their safety compared to men who responded. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. women were doing things like um, ensuring that like one headphone was out or yeah. that the volume wasn't that high yeah. or like making sure their keys were in their hand. Yes. Um, something like looking over your shoulder every, like they have increments of time. So every mm-hmm. 10 seconds they'll look over their shoulder. And I just thought that that, like even what you're saying about getting point, getting from point A to point B is so meticulously thought out as women, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm sure men have their own concerns with safety and, you know, what they do, but I don't think it's as, rigorous and like consistent as it is for women and I sorry I think the like the interesting part about that also is that it's not just that it's so intricate and it's so like well thought out it's also that it's so ingrained ingrained yeah and it's just automatic like I don't really have to think think about it like I'm only think thinking about it now because we're talking about it but otherwise like I just wake up and go out the, the door and it's just like something that I just do and you're right about what look how how many times you look behind you like if I pass somebody I'm like oh yeah let me just check really quick and there's different stealth ways you can look behind you without really looking behind you like I yeah I do all those things um so as you're talking I'm reminded when I lived in London uh as a student you know 18 to 21 we were actually given a course on safety and we were given these little mace things you could carry Mm -hmm. and whistles so I used to walk through Hyde Park every morning it was a half an hour walk. It, it, there were very few people around. And so I remember doing yeah. all these things you're talking about at that at that mm-hmm. stage. I really was scared for safety. And I used to have all of that awareness. But I was living in central London. Mm-hmm. When I was living in the suburbs at home, I, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be that careful. So it seems like you guys have a heightened sense of it. And yeah. I, I only feel I had it when I was living in central London by myself. Yeah. I, I like what you said earlier about ingrained and you know you're talking about your experience of being in university but I think also like it's a survival mode tactic like I yeah. also remember being in high school and having this presentation of a woman who came in and told us how to navigate spaces in public and to do it by ensuring our own safety so I remember very vividly her telling us how to occupy a uh, like a, a bench uh, when you're waiting for the bus mm-hmm. So if a man comes and sits next to you and makes you feel unsafe, here's X, Y, and Z. These are things you can do to protect yourself. I'm interested. And it's not just like Did in she... schools or in institutions. Yeah. These are things like I feel like we just pick up on, right? Like how many like subliminal and explicit messages do we get all the effing time about this is what you do to ensure your safety? We mm-hmm. get these messages all the time. Yeah, all the time. Did I'm curious when you said that she gave that um, told you like the tips? Did she say to minimize yourself on the bench or to get bigger, like take up more? She said to get bigger. Yes, she said that, I would agree. Um, yeah. It's about power. And yeah. so when she's talking about it, I mean, I think very obviously, like it is sexual assault. Yeah. So I think um, what she was wanting to kind of get across was that you make yourself bigger because if you shrink yourself, it allows the 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 um, perpetrator to feel like they can overpower you and yeah. then they can have power over you. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was to make yourself bigger. Yes, and we were taught that too. Yeah. It's the way you walk. When you walk on the street, don't walk around looking scared. Yeah. So 
you know, it's even if I look I, behind yeah. me or how I walk down an alleyway or how I walk down a road, if I'm going to cross... But doesn't that suck? Like, yeah. Oh, it, it does. It does. But I've, I've grown up sucks, with it. But I have to, like, like govern the way that I walk. Yeah, because like, that might not be how you're feeling. Like, I know that sometimes I feel confident enough to do that. And sometimes I really don't. It really depends where I am. And that can even happen in my own neighborhood. When right. I, if it's if it's a really early morning meeting that I'm going to and it's winter time and it's still dark outside, I'm half running to work. Like, mm-hmm. it's so bizarre. And I remember also going through a little bit of a phase of kind of like being more fearless about it when I was in my teens, which is really weird. Maybe it was like my rebellious, like rewiring teenage brain. I don't know. But I know that when I was younger, I had, I was a lot more afraid because of the way we were taught to like, think about these things and that scared me and then I went mm-hmm. through a little bit of a phase of like who cares like you know I'm fine but even even then I was had the facade for myself that yeah. I was more confident but I still walked around with my keys in between my fingers just in case right so I think that might also have to do with like some spaces we feel safer in and some spaces we don't feel safe in yeah um you know, I'm thinking about how now that I'm out in Montreal, there's certain things that I do very, very differently out here than I used to do back home. Like back home, I'll fight somebody on the street. I'll fight somebody in the club. I don't care. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I have enough confidence and I feel safe enough to do that. But out here, oh no, I keep my head down low. I keep yeah. my eyes to the ground and I just get from A to B because I don't know anyone and I don't feel safe out here. But when I'm out back home in Surrey, like I could be in the sketchiest part and I feel like I'm okay. Oh, but that's horrible to have to live like that. Sorry, that's just actually sad hearing you say that. I think yeah, it's, I it's think there's sad, a level actually. of familiar, familiarity too, though. Like sometimes mm-hmm. like when you feel more familiar or when you feel like you have, like, I mean, you're like your family's not in the same city as you. That's like that adds to it, right? Like it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. different. It's familiarity. It's knowing that there's somebody there and sometimes that fear can like really like play up in your head like a lot which is so crazy because we're also talking about how this woman who gave you tips was like make yourself bigger on the bench and we know those things but like it's so hard to actually implement them and that's Mm -hmm. and I think that difficulty of whatever that is comes across not only for like safety but for other places like I know that and we were talking about work and and schools and classrooms and all those other spaces that we occupy like I feel like I also minimize myself, not only when I'm walking on the street, but when I'm in those other environments as well. Right. Even though I might know the answer to the question that the teacher's asking, I won't put my hand up. I'll, I'll think to myself what it is, but I'll always doubt myself. And it's that same doubt that has you not walking confidently down the street, mm-hmm. yeah. even though you know that's what would be good for you. I, I'm, I think, sorry, go on, Andy. Yeah, I'm different. Like, even when I was young. If I knew the answer, I'd say the answer. I was very loud in class, very big with my movements. Yeah, I've I was not. Like I was not scared at all. In fact, better watch out. <laughs> and I'm. And even in meetings now, I would say whatever I wanted. I would interrupt or intrude, and bring things mm-hmm. back to what the point was. Mm-hmm. I, I don't stand for nonsense nowadays. So I'm, I'm thinking back. You know, I think maybe it's just maturity. Because I think when I first yeah. started work, I wasn't like that. I was like that at school, mm-hmm. but not at work. Because it's a new environment. It's like, yeah. oh, there's always a learning curve with it. Like, I think I've definitely learned how to be better at that in the last year and a half at my job. But at the same time, like, it's not that anyone else is doing it to me. No one's telling me not to say anything. It's like an internal, like, 
battle that I have with myself where it's like don't interrupt or don't say too much or don't be in the way even though like the things that I'm gonna say are actually gonna help the whole situation and I have a solution to the problem like it's so funny to me that like not funny but like it's kind of sad that like that's how far you go to not say something because you think you're gonna get in the way even though it's a solution I don't know what do you think Harpo? I mean I think I agree for the most part with both of you I think early on maybe I was a lot more bolder in my classes like I would talk out more but then ever since I've started my uh, master's degree I feel like I'm a lot quieter in my classes and that's something I was very surprised at by myself too but I think it has to do with the fact honestly the simple fact that a lot of my classes during my undergrad had a lot more women in it so I felt a lot safer in that in that environment and I felt like I could voice my opinions more Mm -hmm. Um, whereas in this degree there's a lot more men in the room so I think not even like it's not that I don't feel safe. It's just that they're taking up a lot more room. Like they're the ones raising their hands. There's the yeah. ones. They're the ones that are getting called on. So at the end of the day, something that you want to say is either already been said or like the teacher moves on. Yeah. So oh I my think god. That happens for a lot of girls in schools. You know. Mm-hmm. Can I just say something? I hate it when that happens, because mm-hmm. I think what's happening right there is gender inequality, mm-hmm. because it happens in my meetings too. You have a like a lot of my meetings are on Zoom. So, you know, you can see all these screens of people wanting to speak and the same two or three men are speaking the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's like give someone else a chance and then it's up to the moderator or the facilitator to actually stop and not just let the person go and say, hang on a minute, we've heard from you. I'd like to hear from some some of these other people who yeah. look like they have right. something to say. Yeah. But I think what we do as women is we self-police and yes. we self-regulate. Yes. So what will happen is if I've spoken two or three times, I'm like, you know what? I've spoken a lot in class. I've taken up too much space, so I'm going to keep quiet. Yes. And like, I was just thinking about how there's a guy in one of my classes, how anytime he speaks, he'll actually like, he'll be like, oh, I know I've talked a lot in class today, but like, mm, and then like carry on. <laughs> carry on. And I yeah. just sit there thinking to myself, like, so you're completely aware of the fact that you have spoken 700 times already. So, you know, he's not like, he's recognizing it, but he's not necessarily stopping it it or policing his behavior yeah and so I think that's the difference is like it's not like we don't have the same opportunities we just as women are so much more socially aware and spatially aware of how much room we're constantly taking up yeah whether Mm -hmm. that's like with talking or with our bodies and we're used to policing whereas like he'll say and he'll acknowledge it but like maybe for him it's not like a the next step of thinking as to being like okay maybe I should let somebody else talk or maybe somebody else wants to talk doesn't happen whereas like we're already thinking of that so some of these things are adjustments really like what we're talking about like how do we adjust how do we change our behavior to fit the situation and why do we do that yes and I'm reminded of things like like if you were running for office for example Mm -hmm. as a politician it's what society tells us we should look like you know if a woman speaks up she's being a bitch. Am I allowed yeah. to say that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is. It's like, oh, she's this, she's this, she's loud, she's obnoxious. But if a man says the same thing, oh, he's mm-hmm. being a leader in mm. the room. So one of the other things that I see as well is how in meetings, a woman will give an idea. Mm-hmm. And it's like the conversation will just move on. No one will build on the idea. Five minutes later, a man will say the same idea and everybody will be building on that idea. And then yeah. you forget that actually it was the woman who came up with that idea. Does yeah. that actually happen? I've seen oh, it on TV, oh. but I don't know. That I've never seen that. Happen. All the time. So when you're in group projects, watch out for it. Yeah. And so one of the best 
books I've read on this is called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, CFO mm-hmm. of uh, Facebook. And she says that in her cohort, her executive group, when they were a group of women, they used to know this was going on. So what they did was guide the conversation back to, and as Mary said, and Mary's yeah. idea, and just keep bringing it up during the meeting so that mm-hmm. people don't unconsciously think, oh, it was the man who brought up the idea. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's such a, like, that's such a crucial wow. thing to do, like to, as, as a group of women to recognize that happens and stick together in it and hold each other up. Yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of just like everybody fending for themselves. And like, if you, if somebody recognizes you, that's great. But like, you're not going to go through the effort to recognize somebody else than somebody else did the same thing. Like I've noticed that happening is that like, mm-hmm. whether it was in classrooms or at work or wherever, like in different spaces where you see that sometimes you're being like, yeah, told or sometimes you're being accounted for and sometimes you're just not right and it's and it can come from the same people which is so crazy mm-hmm. yeah and I don't know why like the thing I always go back to is like why does it have to be so pick and choose like why do you do it sometimes and why do you not do it other times like I just don't I don't understand that and I don't think it's fair it's like mm-hmm. what's more important like why like what is more important is your ego more important than that like why? Why is that more important? So I'm actually hearing two things. I'm hearing some people are not conscious of the fact that they're taking up the space. Yeah. Right. And what? And the other thing I'm hearing is they might be conscious, but they don't care. They'll speak anyway because they like hearing themselves. Yeah. yeah. Speak anyway. Or or like you were saying how the, the women were all like calling, bringing it back to the fact that that woman came up with the idea, like that that doesn't always happen either, even it, when other, between women. But you know what? I mm-hmm. didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Until I read that book, I wasn't that aware. And after yeah. I read the book, then I became aware and I started listening. I was on a mm-hmm. call just two days ago and I noticed this woman was asked for her opinion. She gave her opinion. And then the two men just started talking again about something else and it all just got lost. So the facilitators need to be strong enough to bring it back. The chairman of yeah. the meeting, the lecturer in the in the classroom. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think there is more of a switch to like safe spaces in settings like schools and in, you know, in lectures and in big groups. Like there is definitely a push towards that. I don't know. I mean, you can accommodate for those kinds of things and create, you know, quote unquote safe spaces there. But I mean, I don't, I feel like how can you create a safe space in the world when you still have so much like sexism and misogyny and like racism, like all those things out there, how can you just like create a safe space out there? I mean, we're talking about adjustments and I think like, honestly, there is not a second in my day when I'm out where I don't remember what's between my legs. Literally. Like I sometimes like walk around with like a vagina for a head. I'm not (laughs) even kidding. Because I feel like everything that I do in my life is governed by what is between my legs. And oh my a lot God. of adjustments that I make are based on that fact that I am a woman. Why is you know, that so, so right? Like, I'm gonna Why is that up? so true and like so messed up but like funny, but it's so true. It's so true. Like I'm literally walking, we're all walking around with vaginas for heads. <laughs> because I feel like what happens is if I'm on a uh, public transportation, yeah. I'm walking on the street, like that's what I'm being looked at for. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh I'm God. not just like a a, a person body in a yeah. public space i'm a freaking woman yeah and i feel like i'm constantly being like watched and i'm being gazed 
you know? And so everything that I do, I adjust my behavior. I'm a lot quieter. I put on a bitch face. You know, mm-hmm. there's this whole thing about like resting bitch face. You think that women just like to look like bitches? No, no. it's a, it's a survival tactic. Yeah. It's a defense mechanism. We don't want you to talk to us. Oh, well, I'm um, just to share with you, you get to a certain age and you become invisible. <laughs> So I might be a woman and I might have a vagina, but people just don't look at me the same way because I don't I'm think that's over true. It's true. I feel invisible so many times. You know, the men will just automatically look be looking at the younger woman, oh. the more attractive woman, or whatever. I, you know, I do. I mean, feel... but no, but I get. I feel like that too sometimes. Oh really? Yeah. I thought it was an age thing. No, and I think that I also sometimes feel like that because I'm brown too, and that oh. I'm not the most desirable version of a woman that people are interested in. So that overlooking oh, I, yeah. feeling, I also feel that. It's not just an age thing, I don't think. Totally. But it's interesting that you're talking about safe spaces and how you can create safe spaces in, like, institutions we're talking about. So, like, schools or at work. And yeah. that there's a push for that. But a really interesting thing that I just thought of is how do we fac- – like, and, Mom, you were talking about the facilitators who are there in your meetings. But, like, for our regular lives, like, our relationships with other people – Who's the yeah. facilitator and who's creating safe spaces and how do we do that with each other when there's no one to monitor that? When it's just a relationship oh. with two people. Oh. Because I, I know I have this problem with so many relationships in my life. It's like, well, it's not a problem. It's just a thing. Mom's looking like, at me like, like I have a like problem. What? Like, why, like what you know, like-, like that you feel like you can't say something or you feel that you're in, you're minimizing yourself or that thing we talked about where it's your idea and you said it but then somebody else gets to take credit for it I've had conversations with people where I've said something and then they've been like "Mm -hmm, yeah and then said the exact same thing back to me as if it was their idea three minutes later and I'm like or not sometimes three seconds later honestly that's happened so many times and I'm like there's no one else witnessing this conversation this is between two people and is it always my job to be the one to go, hey, hang on a second, I just said that. And I not, just, right? Yeah. But then also not just be like, oh, you're just like, call, and not, it's that was what I just said. And then it's over and they move on. Be like, oh, haha, yeah, you're right. You did just say that. Or I didn't hear. But like that it keeps happening. Well, I think it is, it, it is definitely both people's jobs. But right. I think it's up to me. So I do a lot of work where I'm co-leading a class. So I'm with another leader. And that happens to me. I'll say something in class. Yeah, we were talking about this. And two seconds yeah. later, the other person will say something. And I'll be like, did they not hear me? Mm-hmm. And what happens is people people go off when they're listening. They go yeah. off into some mm-hmm. other World. land of, mm-hmm. oh, I want to say that. I want to say that. They're not really listening to you. Mm-hmm. So that's sometimes well, they're, why. They're listening to respond. Yeah, yeah. They, are they listening to their own internal chatter or I'm hungry right. or I wish this was faster, whatever. And so yeah. it is up to me. So I, mm-hmm. I will bring it up and I say, hey, I just said that. Mm-hmm. And then if it happens two or three times, I'll actually stop and say, we need to talk about this. Yeah. Because this is a pattern and it keeps happening and it can't keep happening. Mm-hmm. So what do yeah. we need to do? What do we need to switch? Yeah. And you know what I'm afraid of in doing that conversation mm-hmm. is, oh, I never get to that conversation. I always go to, I'll, I'll call it out sometimes and then sometimes I won't, but I'll never get to that conversation because my minimizing thing happens again in my brain where I'm minimizing myself mm. because I feel like I'm making a problem out of something and that someone's going to say to me yeah. why it's not a big deal or whatever or blah 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 and that they're not going to get that actually yeah. you're essentially erasing my voice and replacing it with yours yes and that's um, not okay so don't get smaller that's what I would say to both of you yeah uh, hang on to your courage oh I do not <laughs> I, yeah, yeah I mean I think it, it plays up in different relationships. Some relationships I can yeah, do that, and some I just really can't. And I'm getting better, but, like, 
I notice it and I'm like, whoa, this is like, yeah, yeah, not okay. I think the other thing that I was thinking of is I agree that it's, it's um, sometimes your, it's your job. And I think also sometimes it's like the job of the person who's like, how do I say it? Like in power to do it too, because mm-hmm. they have a lot more, like they have a lot more, what's the word? Like they have, they, they're able to do it more freely without so much constraint or like thinking so much about it. And I'm thinking because I think about like, okay, so my own home, I forgot to mention that like my home is the space I occupy as um, the eldest daughter in my family and how I occupy a specific space for my parents. And honestly, I think it was a lot of like my dad's doing in terms of like facilitating a safe space in our family and in our home where my opinions and my thoughts and my voice was valuable and it was validated. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in that sense, like he, he was the one that facilitated that entire process. Um, and it was always like, in any sort of situation my say always mattered it wasn't Mm -hmm. like I was just like a passive body in the home Mm -hmm. and so I feel like what happens is because I've I've had that model to me in my home I look for it everywhere and so I mean sometimes I feel like earlier when I was a little bit younger I was I I think I was a bit naive and just assumed that everyone should be like that now that I'm getting older and I'm like kind of coming into my own and like leaving like the nest a little bit Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that actually yeah that doesn't exist in all spaces Um, So that's why I'm like so surprised to hear that this actually dynamic happens in in both of your careers and your jobs in the office. I mean, because I feel like I've never had that experience. So, I mean, my only like idea of space and safety comes like my interactions with the public space. But I think that's crazy that there's two of you here and you both have similar experiences where like you felt that way. But I think you cannot rely on the person who has more power to bring it up. Yeah. Because they might be the one who have the bias or who have the ego yeah and that, right? that's also and that, not their problem right no and that huh? but that power like might not always be working in your favor either. yes so sometimes it will yeah. and sometimes it won't but i think the important part is that it's not just that one person but that everybody has to acknowledge that that voice is important and everybody mm-hmm. has to work to create that space safe because that safe space because if you're not all in it then it's not safe right because Definitely. one person yeah. can threaten that so easily yeah, and if totally. only one, and if only one person is bringing it up, then you have the fear of, oh my God, I'm the one who keeps being the squeaky yeah, wheel. Yeah, and that's why I and they're not gonna like me. And, and 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 that's why it it the per, for the person in power, if you're even if you're talking like specifically, I'm talking about a relationship between two people. It's like they have the power. Fine, okay, they can try and facilitate it, but if they don't have the language to do that or the tools to do that, or they don't even recognize that that's something that's important yeah. to me, and they don't acknowledge it after me telling them two or three times that hey, you keep doing this, when I have that conversation, like hey, we need to talk about it. Like, yeah. I can't also give them the power to have that. I, I you know, yeah, I have to take some of the power for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think one of the things that we all need to do is educate ourselves on power, and so there's this. Uh, so at my work, um, we are actually in the process of having open conversations about uh, diversity, inclusion, wow. um, equality, and realizing that there's a lot of um, information resources out there about the different degrees of power and authority. And if we can all get educated on this, then what happens is then it's not up to one person yeah. to bring it up. Other people can bring it up. And the first step is just noticing. Noticing that it's happening. And then calling it out. Totally. So educating is so important, what you said. And also just taking a second to acknowledge in your life where this happens. How you are adjusting and why you're adjusting. 
and asking yourself, do I need to be adjusting here? Or what is the fear that's stopping me? Or like, what is the fear that's making me adjust? And so what I think is that we live in a society that potentially there is so much room for equality. Mm -hmm. Like we go to school, uh, you know, at work, there are women in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And I believe that if we are not as a society going to look at this subject, what happens is we lose that creativity by not including women and their voices. I mean, just think about all that creativity that's being lost, the ideas, the innovation. Yeah. Because women are just, for whatever reason, because they've been conditioned or they've been brought up that way, they're minimizing themselves. I mean, that's... Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's not just that we're being minimized. There's also like what we do to ourselves as well. And that's the part that we have control over. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. That's the only part we have control over. So and if, I mean, some sometimes it's like you have to. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes you have to, and so if, like I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, yeah, well, I need to like raise my hand up and like talk and like be bold in every situation. I think you know, actually, the 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 book Fed Up by Gemma Hartley talks about emotional labor. Even the idea of like minimizing yourself when there's potential danger around you requires so much emotional labor. Because yeah. There's like. You have to condition your brain to to like really silence yourself and hold yourself back because you're you're holding yourself back from potential threat or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, it definitely depends and it's very cir- circumstantial. Yeah, for sure. But I think even then, what you said, emotional labor, that mm-hmm. is also so like such a big thing for if you want to be heard. Like right. th- I feel like I have there's more it's more emotional labor for me to bring up a conversation like that or yeah. say something than it is for me to minimize that's why I minimize yeah because and, right. and maybe I've been conditioned that way so that like it's easier for me to do that mm-hmm. and for some people it might be more difficult and maybe in the long term it's more emotional labor to minimize but yeah in terms of my immediate reactions like it's always easier for me to minimize but I think the important thing is to Think about it, reflect on how it's happening and why it's happening and picking your battles as to where you can stop that and where you can stand up for yourself and realize that it's not just for you, it's for other women too. Because if you're creating, if you're taking one step forward to and putting one foot in the pond, essentially, I don't even know if that's a phrase, but like, you know, like <laughs> taking one step to try and create that safe space, other people can join you. And that's one more yeah. person that's doing that. Yes. Yeah, I think also like uh, something that I want to echo and I loved hearing this was when we, the three of us, we attended She Talks last week. Yeah. Um, a couple weeks ago, actually, it was. I lost a train of time because <laughs> my brain is scrambled eggs. But <laughs> essentially what, what Verinda Rossotti, who's uh, I think an incredible community member, said was that um, a lot of times we act like we have our shit together as women. Mm-hmm. And so when we do that, it puts so much pressure on other women to also be like, well, th- oh, look at all these women. They have their shit together. So I don't have my shit together and I'm not good enough. But yep. when we start like being vulnerable and we start showing um, other women like how we're feeling and how the adversities we're going through or like how we're having trouble navigating certain spaces, that is so much better. And there's so much more room for like love and growth there because yeah. then we're not like striving towards a standard and I think like I mean how does that relate to like the spaces that we occupy and how we adjust ourselves if we're constantly like kind of like shoving everything under the rug and like not acknowledging that like you know what sometimes I do need to speak up 
like you just said, Sim, like mm-hmm. I do need to speak up because if I speak up, it'll give other women the opportunity to speak up as well. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I've had that experience as well where like I'm just speaking out and then so many other women will come and say like, wow, you inspired me to speak up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, bruh, I didn't do anything. Like I was just talking. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right in the sense that, you know, like you doing that and you minimizing yourself is just telling the other woman that she also needs to minimize. Yeah, it's setting, a, it's setting a standard of patterns and that's the pattern that we want to try and break. Mm-hmm. Step into your power, women. 